I'm Mike McGinnis. And I'm Carrington Vanston. And this is another episode of the No Quarter Podcast, a weekly podcast where my friend Carrington and I talk about classic video arcade games. We do? That sounds interesting. Well, I think it is. <laughs> I should tune in sometime. <laughs> How are you, Carrington? I'm doing swell because I, unlike you, don't have a cold. Yeah, it's been uh, quite a week for me. We've had to delay recording a couple of times because... Up until about last night, I didn't really have much of a voice, and as you can hear, I still don't. It gave me a chance to, uh, well, a chance to get a better score on Omega Race. I failed to, but at <laughs> least I had the chance. Well, yes, and speaking of that, so Omega Race is this week's game, and uh, we'll get to that in just a minute, though. Did you have any feedback? We did get feedback. We got a few things. Let's see. Um, Sal wrote us again, our contest winner, the one winner of our one contest, mm -hmm. sent us, I think I forwarded it to you, he sent us a photo of his blanket as requested, the Pac-Man blanket he won. Well, he actually sent us a photo of him and the blanket, but all you see is his knuckles holding up the blanket. <laughs> so thank you, Sal's knuckles. Well, I think that'll be acceptable. We won't have I to think send so, the, too. <laughs> won't have to send the repo squad over to your house. Well, we don't have to. <laughs> We're just going to. <laughs> <laughs> because that's just how we roll. <laughs> and he also sent us um, a video uh, uh, of him playing Pac-Man to show a glitch he encountered where he was able to go right through a ghost. Oh, cool. So he just sort of got cornered and got lucky. And I think it's just because Canadians are so macho, ghosts are afraid of us. That must that, be it. That's the lesson I learned. It's all that maple syrup in hockey. Exactly. Oh, and um, oh, look at me segue here, although I shouldn't have brought attention to it. Speaking of those of us out in the colonies, um, Australian Dave Cheney, or maybe Cheney, um, or Cheney? I don't know how it's pronounced. Anyway, Dave Cheney on Twitter. Besides, I don't think Australians get names. I think they're just issued a number. So, well, a prisoner number. Yeah. Exactly. So, we'll just go ahead and perpetuate all kinds of stereotypes here this week. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm okay with that. So he sent us a comparison of uh, Moon Patrol on heaps of retro consoles. There's um, a YouTube account called Gaming History Source, and they run um, there's a series of videos called Let's Compare, and they did the Moon Patrol. So it shows Little snippets of Moon Patrol pl being played on tons and tons of different old consoles and um, computers. So it's and and it's interesting not just to see Moon Patrol, but it's something I would recommend for people to check out just because they do these let's compares with tons of different games, so you can get a feel for the the various sorts of ports of a given game. It was really interesting to look at, so I, I spent quite a time browsing through those. It was really fun. Oh, neat. Mm -hmm. Let's see what else do we get. Uh, Dr. Quest, who's Chris on, on Twitter. Well, he actually, he's Chris and he's Dr. Quest on Twitter. He asked if, this is a good question, I thought, if Moon Patrol would be called an endless runner in modern terms, you know, something like uh, Temple Run is on iOS. And I mm -hmm. thought that was well pointed out. I hadn't thought of that before, but I think pretty much it is. Is there is there a Moon Patrol kill screen? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but, you know, that kind of idea, like right now, it's really popular, especially on, on handheld uh, versions of games, to have these endless runners where basically you just go, go, go. Now, those things are normally typified by mostly you're just trying to swipe left or right to, say, to, to make turns in time and to jump over things. But the, the basics of that mechanic are kind of what we find in Moon Patrol, where it's basically go straight ahead and it's just sort of about rhythm and timing more than um, a lot of strategy. It's about just jump in time, shoot in time, that kind of stuff. So it's sort of like a rhythm game. So it was interesting that he pointed that out. I hadn't really thought about that comparison before. Um, we got a lot of feedback this week, actually. Uh, Lowell Simana, Simana I guess, um, he 
pointed out that the Moon Patrol cabinet art is amateurish, <laughs> which I thought yeah. was funny to say. So then I went and looked at photos, and he's right. If you look at the side art on a Moon Patrol cabinet, it's it's really striking and really interesting, but it's not really well done. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. Did you ever play Dungeons & Dragons? Of course. Okay. So in the world of Dungeons & Dragons, there was... There were always these uh, – there were like things like Dragon Magazine, that kind of stuff. Sure. And in that you would see people would have drawn – there'd be like a photo of, of a dragon or elves, that kind of stuff. And sometimes like they'd be interesting, but you'd see, well, this is not a professional artist. <laughs> so you have these amazingly drawn dragons and you'd also sometimes have one sort of go, well, well that's nice too. The Moon Patrol cabinet is one of those that's nice too arts. <laughs> it's like the the lettering is not quite right and, and the, the lines are, are a little squiggly and I thought it was kind of funny that he pointed that out. Oh goodness. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he had actually written to say that we were correct last week uh, in thinking that the candy cabinets are those those big um, off-white ones with oh, the 25-inch yes. screen right. that leans mm-hmm. back and, and you sit at. And so, yes, those are candy cabinets. We were right. Cool. I think that's enough feedback. Okay. Too bad for um, everybody else who wrote in. <laughs> but we do, we do love getting it. Like, we love the fact that people write in and interact with us and stuff. And that's, that's totally swell of you all. Thank you, everyone. Yes. Oh, and, and speaking of side art and things like that, while I was researching Omega Race, I came across a site. Have you heard of, of this old game.com? I have not. This well, is, I mean, I have now. <laughs> yes. This is a, a website, a business that, that sells screen printed reproductions and fabrications of, of coin op parts. And you can buy things oh. like side art directly from them. So if you can't find the original or if it's going for too much on eBay, you can get reprints from these people. Now, is there any way in which it's marked as a reprint or can somebody use this to gussy up a cabinet to make it look like an original one that's um, just in perfect shape or does well, that matter? I don't know. As far as I can tell, I mean, I'm no expert and the pictures here are not the greatest, I mean, high quality photos of, of what you're getting so it's it's hard to tell you know whether or not this is uh, something that that you could differentiate easily from the real thing uh it says these are solvent ink print i'm sorry solvent inkjet printed on three mil on three m bubble free four mil four mil white vinyl so that's probably how the originals were done anyway i suspect it was either screen printed or printed on yeah. vinyl and slapped on the cabinet yeah. let me just rub the side here of my uh my fixed feelings, <laughs> and that is a vinyl attached to the side. Yeah, I can feel the little the little ridge there. So they come they come pre masked and plotter cut to the original shape and size. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, and I guess I and I don't know if it matters. Like on another podcast, we we talked recently about the Apple One replica world, where the Apple Ones right now are selling for a quarter of a million dollars, and so there's people out there who also make lookalikes and playalikes of, of the Apple One boards. And one of the things they do is make sure that there's some differences so you can tell. So it's not somebody's going to try to pawn that off as an original to somebody. Um, but I don't know if in the world of arcade cabinet collectibles, if that matters that much. I, I don't know of any cabinets that are selling for $100,000. So. No, but there are cabinets that sell for thousands of dollars. You know, this is the, true. The, the uh, originals of the the big games... Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, um, that were that are still in great shape or very limited run versions, um, right? That, that go for a ton of money. So yeah, um, and like Star Wars cabs, if they're in really great shape, usually go for thousands. But then here, somebody I guess could print, get a cabinet, and I don't know. Like it's just it's something I haven't really thought about before. 
Maybe it's a new business opportunity. <laughs> Maybe so. But on the other hand, if I'm trying to refurbish a cabinet and I can't, and I can't afford $300 for side art or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, after having spent a bunch just to get the cabinet and have it shipped and all that, this might be a nice way to at least get my cabinet back up into good shape. Absolutely. And I think that's probably most of its purpose. And it's certainly something I would want. If I had a cabinet in a game I love, it was all roughed up on the outside. It's certainly something I'd love to get new art for it and stuff. It looks like they sell side art, glass for the uh, the marquees, uh, as well as miscellaneous um, parts for, for machines. So Yeah, I'm browsing through the site now. Really nice. Yeah. I like it. Good choice. So thisoldgame.com. Sorry for the little detour there. I just thought that was interesting. I liked your detour. It was a fun side trip. Well, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I took photos. <laughs> thank you. All right. So on to the game. Oh, Mega Race. Uh, oh, yes. Mega Race. <laughs> it is hard. You think so? so I got a spinner. It was the game that motivated me to get a spinner. You basically forced me into spinnerdom. <laughs> you had to get one. Well, I thought you did pretty well on uh, the first run through on your keyboard. And I barely ever did better, so my spinner was useless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I should let our listeners know. So uh, we picked Omega Race, and then right after recording, like the first thing I did last last after last episode was fire up Mame and play a game of Omega Race, and and I did pretty well. And so I immediately sent a screenshot to Mike. I started the trash talking within like five minutes of the game and subsequent to that i have barely done better at all <laughs> like i've had like only two or three games where my my score went up so basically i was first time lucky but it ramps up pretty quickly and difficult oh, doesn't it, it i mean by the does. third or fourth the third or fourth maze or whatever you want to call it um it gets it's it's very difficult uh, this is not a game that I had a lot of time to play this week because I was mostly laying in bed. Excuses, being excuses, sick, excuses. Being sick. Yes, yes, yes. So my high score was a lowly 32,100. How did you do, Carrington? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I had some laughter caught in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yes. I did better than you on my first game. My, my final best score was 148,950. And I, I too, though, I never got past the second droid collection. So uh, I, I really don't get very far in this game at all. It doesn't change much. It's really just the same thing over and over again, just they're ramping up the difficulty. But holy cow, it gets hard quick. Yeah, now this is not a game that I normally uh, would have suggested that we play this early into our podcasting. Uh, but it was interesting to me because this was Midway's only vector game. Mm-hmm. Which gave it away. I had um, I'd been taunting. Normally not too long after we post a show somebody will either tweet or email us to they'll have heard the sound in the show and then they'll basically tell us aha i spotted that it's moon patrol or pac-man or what have you and in this case we went quite a few days and nobody had said anything so i went on twitter and was taunting our audience saying aha nobody's guessed nobody (laughs) knows what it is and then like immediately i got 30 dms to saying whatever dude it's omega race <laughs> yeah, we know like, what this is What's wrong like with you? Ev- everybody knew what it was all, all too so easy. <laughs> yeah i think um uh, it was at just arb he got it first and he had said that the vic 20 port is his uh favorite version of the game that i launched the uh, vice emulator and played a bit on vic 20 i suck on the vic 20 version too it turns <laughs> out and then um our old buddy at yesterbits pointed out that the screenshot I had posted to trash talk you on on my score I had gotten at that point um, was a total giveaway because it said you know, copyright Bally Midway on the bottom and it was a vector game and it was Bally Midway's only vector game so now, it made it, say, it really obvious did it say Bally Midway or? it did say because at this point um, Midway was owned by Bally I think so it's it was Bally well, Midway well yeah I, Bally bought Midway in 69 I think so long oh, okay. before they were making arcade games I just couldn't remember whether this was 
some of their games were promoted as Bally Midway and others were just Midway. Ah, okay, yeah. This one, the screenshot definitely said Bally Midway on the bottom. So, Yesterbits was, dude, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then after, well, then after 1988, they were, they were purchased by Williams and so they weren't Bally anymore, but... Yeah. Um, in the year 2003, the Omega system developed a method of training its warriors to protect the star colonies against android forces over the city of Komar. Omega fighters raced to engage and destroy these aliens and the mines they planted. The Omega method is so successful, it commands fear and respect all throughout the galaxies. This method is codenamed Omega Race. The thing is... I don't remember that happening in 2003. Yeah, yeah I, I could be wrong, but it's, it's, I, I think that would have made the news. Well, it's been 10 years. Maybe your memory's a little hazy. <laughs> could be, I think this would stand out. I think this would be something I would recall. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, instead of having a, having the score and, and the information about your credits and things at the top of the screen, it's actually right in the middle. And it's almost part of the, part of the, the play field. So there's a yeah, there's the middle section and it's got this border and you as you're flying as opposed to asteroids where you went off the left and reappeared on the right side of the screen this has borders that you bounce off of and and, and I like that you bounce that you yeah. don't it's nice because you're thrusting you're wildly going all over the place if the walls destroyed you it would end the game oh, way yeah. too quickly I, I I would not have been able to play at all yeah um, so the, the bouncing was nice. according I, to your I, score well, dude you couldn't oh uh, here we go <laughs> the trash talking continues. <laughs> So as you're playing, you start out usually on, in one corner of the screen. It seems to be, I don't know if it's random where you start, uh, but it's a, different play, it's a different point every time you start. And uh, elsewhere on the screen, you have these little floating uh, Omega Fighters. Or no, I'm sorry, you're the, the Omega Fighter. You have these, these droid ships that, that sort of float and hang in space. At least on the first level, they did, only one of these moves at a time, and the other one sort of comes around and tries to engage you. Right uh, in combat now, as you get further into the game, the whole army of droid ships start floating around, and more and more of them become these shooting ones, which then can birth these little helicopter things, which just you know whip around and shoot really, really rapidly. Those are the yes, ones that get me every time. Yes, those are the command ships, and, and eventually the command ship becomes a death ship, and, and yeah. speeds well up named. and just comes right after you. And as this is going on, as the droid arm is moving, they're also dropping photon mines, and if you fly into one of those, you explode and die pretty quickly. And by photon mines, we mean little triangles. Pretty much, Because <laughs> being yes. a vector game, the graphics are very simple. It's just a couple of lines. But I don't think the gameplay suffers at all. from I, I, These vector games we've been playing, um, I find charming. I, I love them. Um, I, I find the simplicity of the graphics in no way detracts from the game. Like this game would not be improved at all by having photorealistic ships. Right, I, I agree. This is this is all about the play and less the visual experience. Uh, for the photon mine, you get three hundred and fifty points for destroying it. For the vapor mine, um, which is was well, that the one when it's two triangles? That's two like, triangles. Oh, yeah, yeah so you get not, more for that. Yeah, that's five hundred. The droid oh. ship is a thousand points. The command ship fifteen hundred, and the death ship twenty five hundred. One of the um, gameplay tips I'll give, which I figured out on my own, and then I had somebody—I think it was Sony and Karen—write in. It is much better, especially early on, to take your time and, like, from level from wave two onward shoot only command ships. Like if something doesn't have that little bit in the middle that makes it a, a command ship, don't shoot it because you'll, you have to eventually shoot it anyway and you'll just get much more points if you wait for it to start to birth one of these death ships. The problem is later on, the death ships start coming so quickly, I'm mostly just focused on trying to kill death ships. Yeah, I, think, I would think at that point you're just trying to survive. And... 
Right. Well, you had when I sent the. <laughs> we should mention this when I sent the uh, my first screenshot to you to begin my trash talking five minutes into the, <laughs> the, the the game. You immediately sent back this quote from something about how well one thing, Omega Race is often used as an example in some programming thing because it's really easy for people to get at least twenty thousand points. I'm like, dude, don't, don't smack me down. I thought I did well. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Hilarious. Yeah, they, they, like, oh, so yeah. Up. So apparently, this game was promoted as as an easy way to get into to gaming um and they're right it was i had no problem the few times that i did play it getting up to 25 30,000 points it was just getting beyond that that it becomes mm-hmm. very difficult again that ramped up difficulty that we were talking about see but i would think i think they're wrong about that because i i it's not just about the score and yeah you can get a, a fairly decent score quickly you can easily you know get to 20,000 points you can almost get to 20,000 points after the first two little races. Like if you just wait a bit on the second race and shoot the more valuable targets first, um, you can you can rack up 20,000 points easy. But it's not just about the points. I think it's also about how well you feel you did in the game. And I found that my games were averaging like 30 seconds long. The waves come fairly quickly and you might get to 30,000 points, but it takes 45 seconds to get there. Like I rarely had games that felt like they lasted even a minute. So if I was actually spending quarters on this, I don't know if I'd be getting my money's worth. Well, it depends how you play this game, too, because this sort of has a, a unique uh, a unique system wherein dropping a second credit in doesn't just give you two play or two, two up or anything like that. Dropping, you have what's, they have what's called one credit and two credit games, and with one credit games you get, I think, three ships, but with two credit games you get seven ships. Oh, so you'd actually get, and like you're getting that bonus ship. That right. would help, actually. Yeah, getting so, seven ships to start with would have helped a lot. Holy cow. Well, yeah, and, and normally in, in most games, if you drop two credits in, you get three guys, and then when that's over, your game starts over rather than having seven ships from the beginning to start with. Right. So I found that it also, it, it really holds back on the extra, like, you got to get like 100,000 points to get a free man in this. So it, it took for and the free men are listed in your list of, of dudes, they're, they're sort of put off to the right and facing the other way because they're like a special, look, you got a bonus ship. Um, it doesn't just add back to your original ships. Like it's, it's held separately. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so it, actually racking up a high score in this game is, is a, a fairly difficult thing in, in comparison to some of the other games out there. So I hail your high score, Karen. Woohoo! Hail, all hail my high score. <laughs> all hail the high score. Uh, Omega Race was originally available as a standard arcade cabinet something called the mini might cabinet which looks looks like it was about 11 inches shorter than the regular oh um, sure so it's like a cabaret cabinet right of some sort. and then the cocktail table and it was also available as one of the first games that was available as a sit-in capsule capsule module nice so in other words if you've ever played a game like afterburner um or, or Discs of Tron has a really good one. Discs of Tron, yes. It's, it's a cabinet, um, and I don't know why I'm telling our audience. I'm sure they've heard of this and played in these many, many times. But it's it's a cabinet where you can actually sit down. It's got a seat and, and a controller. And, and some of the more advanced ones, like Afterburner, sort of move around a little bit to help um, enhance the gameplay. Right. I don't think this one does that, though. No. <laughs> Just I, I think, spin. I think, yeah, I think this one was a little bit uh, early. Yeah, environmental cabinets are, are awesome. Um, especially because I think in this case, it's the exact same game, no matter what cabinet you're using. But some environmental cabinets, like I know Discs of Tron, I believe, the environmental version has voice, whereas the other versions don't. So that'd be a reason to get that version of the game. Um, so sometimes there's, there's bonuses you get for the gameplay in environmental cabinets as well. Sure. 
Uh, Omega Race shipped with two Z80 CPUs, uh, one at 3 megahertz, one at 1.5 megahertz, and two AY38912A audio chips. It was a standard vector game, um, vector graphics game, a 40 megahertz, 40 kilohertz refresh rate, one sound channel, um, and it was released in 1981. I have now just Googled the environmental cabinet. Well, you were saying that. I wasn't <laughs> listening. I was Googling. You never listened and to me. there was a difference for the environmental, uh, the cockpit version of this. It's single player only. Oh. There's no two player version, I guess, because the cockpit was too skinny for two people to get in there. So they may, it's, there is a difference in the game, but it's not like uh, uh, it enhances it. It just means there's only a, a one player option. I also noticed when I was playing in a MAME, everything was yellow. And I thought, oh, God, my MAME ROMs are wrong or something. Because when you play Asteroids or Gravatar, any of these games, well, not Gravatar because it's all color, but the, the, the early white games. games, they're normally that, that sparkling white. And one of the nice things about seeing a vector game in real life is how, how bright and scintillating these XY monitors are when, you, when you're playing something like Asteroids or Battlezone. And here it was all yellow. And I thought, why the heck is my main thing going yellow? And I was trying to tinker around with the settings. I was like, I can't do it. And it turns out it's yellow because it's supposed to be yellow. In the <laughs> same way that the monitor reflects up through the mirror so that you're seeing it with that star field in front of it. There was also um, a yellow gel overlaid, supposed to be overlaid over top of the monitor, which turns everything a little yellow. So the main is showing you the way it sh it's supposed to look. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I was unaware yeah. of that. So I thought that was neat. And reading about the cabinets, the uh, the standard upright cabinet exterior is also notable for a couple of things. The artwork on the header marquee, it continues over the, the speaker grill. So that's kind of unusual. And also there's a, a, a lit up attraction panel, panel below the control panel, which is fairly rare for full-sized upright cabinets. I think that was often the case for the Atari cabarets. They would, they would not have a lit up marquee on the top. They would only have it below the, the control panel. But right. here it looks like it's in, in both positions. And if you are looking to collect a cabinet version of Omega Race, you should watch out for the battery because it's one of those early things where you make design choices in the 80s and you don't think that somebody 30 years later is going to want to be using this game. That Why would it be art? And the 3.6 volt, uh, it's a NICAD battery and it's mounted on the motherboard, but they mounted it on the top of the motherboard. So imagine 30 years later, that battery will... Um, inevitably have leaked battery acid which will drop all the way down the board and destroy things as it goes so um if right. you're looking at omega race and it doesn't work usually it's because the batteries spilled acid and you'll have to pop up the ics and, and pop new ones in interestingly the uh another thing that you're, you should be looking for if you're going to buy one of these is the spinner uh, apparently the way the spinner was designed on these original cabinets uh, they were cheap and they they wore out quite frequently oh so maybe if it's not working it's just because the spinner doesn't work or if you have a low score, you can just blame it on your spinner, yes. <laughs> no, uh, because my score didn't get any better with my spinner. <laughs> there is a, a guy on, uh, online, he's, his website is called Bill's Classic Arcade. Uh, it's, it's Billtronics with an X.com. He sells Omega Race digital spinners. He designed uh, a spinner specifically to replace the crappy spinner that came with your original cabinet. Well, that's pretty swell. And it's for $50. Uh, so I guess if you're looking to refurbish one of these... Um, that doesn't sound like a, a, a bad option. That is awesome, actually. Yeah. That, that sounds like a great option. Yep. That's good to know. That is some, something definitely worth knowing. And he's got, uh, he's got a PDF of the schematics online and talks about how he developed it uh, pretty extensively. 
Uh, obviously, we won't read the whole thing here. Yes, we will. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, here we go. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely worth checking out. I don't think this is, I guess, maybe you could adapt it to your main cabinet if you wanted to, but there are probably better um, spinner options, general spinner options out there. Um, one of the things that, that that he talked about, I guess, in the original is that uh, because it was a cheap spinner, there's, there's dead spaces where you simply can't turn your ship to face it. Uh, in certain directions. I thought that was kind of the case anyway. It didn't, you can't look in every single direction. It's, it's, it's sort of a, a ticking group of, uh, you, you're moving in a bit of an arc each time. So rather than, rather than being, having a, a free field of fire, so to speak, you, you could just simply face, you know, straight, straight up or north, south, east, west, and then the diagonals of those. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how it felt hmm. in the main version I was playing anyway. Maybe I was getting shafted. Maybe so. That's going to be my excuse for my score. Sure, sure. What else? Well, I've got stuff. Well, please. <laughs> <laughs> did you know that you can't put swear words in for your initials? I did not know that. <laughs> I, I discovered that. <laughs> Only you, Carrington. Only you. <laughs> so if you get very frustrated with this game, and you're doing very poorly, and you decide to put in a, a bad word, so you only get three initials. But let's mm. say you want to spell some version of the F word. <laughs> if you put in as your initials F-U-K or F-U-C, I determined, it won't let you enter those. It'll let you enter them, but it won't display them when it displays the words. Like It, <laughs> it has a bit of censorship in it. It knew what you were up to. <laughs> it knew how badly I frustrated I was at this game sometimes. That's, that's hilarious. So it turns out, and then I Googled, and that's not just something in the main version I had. Like, that was actually the way the game came, so I, <laughs> I stumbled on that one. And I don't, I think this was ported to tons of stuff, but I, I read that the Kaleek ColecoVision version, the ColecoVision version, which I never played, let two players play at once, which would be a very interesting version of the game if there was two of you battling this race oh, simultaneously. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yes, you're right. It was ported to the Atari 2600, the ColecoVision, the Commodore 64, VIC-20 home computers. Uh, the 2600 version came with a special uh, two-button booster grip controller bundled with the game. Oh, nice. Yeah, you would need that. You are the player, and the arcade is the arena. You focus your mind and propel yourself into a universe where you're the master of your destiny for as long as you can keep the trip going. This is the arcade experience. We're ColecoVision. We bring the arcade experience home with games like Donkey Kong with multiple screens, arcade controls, and arcade graphics that let you have the arcade experience at home because your vision is our vision. ColecoVision. Interestingly, as of 2007, Omega Race is absent from every collection in the Midway Arcade Treasure series. Oh, I wonder why. If it's a, maybe a licensing thing? Maybe so. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, the game itself uh, was programmed by Ron Halliburton. And released... Oh, there's interesting things about Ron Halliburton. That name sounds familiar. Please yep. tell me more. Well, he founded the company Arcade Engineering. I only know this because I've been Googling this week, and which he later sold to Midway. And he's sort of most famous for having... In, in in arcade terms, he's most famous for having made um, Omega Race. Mm -hmm. But he's probably most famous overall for other things. And I will get to the most interesting one, which involves flashing lights in a second. Second most famous, will be part, he was part of a lawsuit. Atari sued the state. I don't know what state. Probably the state of California, state of intoxication. I don't know. Say sure. something. And to get taxes back and he was one of the people that they brought in to talk about taxes and how taxes were being paid by Atari and blah, blah, blah. And in the lawsuit, which I, I read through the law, legal papers because it was interesting because mostly he was talking about this giant pinball machine he made for Atari. So instead of a standard pinball machine, it was 
you know, two and a half feet wide. And I'm trying to think in feet. So our American listeners and, and five feet long. So 60 inches. So this, and he used a, a much larger ball, but it played just like a normal Atari game. And so, and Atari then later, I guess, actually manufactured a large scale pinball machine kind of based on that called Hercules. So he was, instead of coming in and talking about Omega race, he was coming in and talking about a giant pinball game he made for Atari and that kind of stuff. So he's the, the designer of the, oversized pinball machines but most famously this fellow named dave miller owned a restaurant in california that was crazily popular and people would show up and there'd be these long waits to get a table and this is you know way back in in the 80s sure uh and so or maybe 90s i don't know sometime in the past 2003 when when they races when the aliens were coming and we were racing so and and he came up with this idea that there should be a way to let people go about their business and basically tell them when their table's ready. Like one of those little flashing pager things that you'll mm-hmm. find at restaurants nowadays. Sure. So Dave Miller formed a little company to do that, came up with the idea of he wanted some sort of pagery type thing. And he hired an engineer named Ron Halliburton and said, come up with some way to do this. Well, what Ron did was take an Atari cartridge so and monkey around with it so that it could be and mix it with a pager. So it's the insides of those things originally where... Uh, rip-offs of an Atari cartridge combined with a, a low-grade pager and some flashing lights. And he made that little black square that's like a coaster that then flashes. And he and he's the guy who designed those wow. and, and designed them using his Atari. That's something I, I, I haven't seen anybody <laughs> on the net talking about. But so the guy who designed Omega Race designed the flashing pager things at restaurants, which have Atari guts in their original design. That's very cool. I thought it was very cool, too. Yeah. Um, if you're interested in playing uh, Omega Race on your modern computing platform, there is something called Omega Race 2009 made by Softonic. Uh, it's a free download that you can get, and it looks like uh, I played played this briefly. It's a fairly fairly uh, faithful remake. It's not one of these crappy ones that where they try to to build on uh, build or change build on or change what was mm-hmm. originally worked and, and turn out with a pile of junk. So, right. Um, um, yeah, if you're interested, it's free. It's 3.5 megabytes to download. It's tiny, um, and it'll play on your modern Windows um, platform. I like it. Overall, would you say that this game is a, a purchase? Would this make one of your top ten lists? I don't think so. Uh, just knowing what I know about you know the, the the problems with the spinner and then the battery that you mentioned, and if I were gonna go for a game like this, I'd probably just go ahead and get the original Asteroids. Sure. And if you, the battery wouldn't concern me because I, you should obviously with batteries that are on these boards, you rip them out immediately and just have the battery pack elsewhere and wire it up to the board. So you should, I think, do that to any cabinet you come across anyway. But I I think so too. It's a game that I I really did enjoy playing this week and it's a fun pick up and play game. So Mm -hmm. what's nice to have this in sort of your main arsenal is it's a fun game. You can sit down for five minutes, play a couple of games, or in my case, in five minutes, I could play six or seven games and you don't have to commit. Like it's not like sitting down and saying, I'm going to try to make my way all the way through the Goonies or something. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a quick pick-up-and-play game, so that's fun. But I did find the gameplay a little limiting, even though I, I've been really enjoying these vector games we've looked at. But nothing really happens. Once once you're on, like, the third race, that's it. You've, you've now seen the whole game. It's just going to get faster and faster and faster. So it really comes down to just a reflex test. So... I found the games were too short for me. Like I wasn't really getting... I, I like a game that'll last 
like Moon Patrol, where you can dive in and and get a good two minute, three minute run out of it, and and feel like you know, hey, I I had a, I had a good run at that game, and and see a little more variety in it. So I found the gameplay was a little too limiting for me. It wouldn't make my top. I, I enjoyed playing it. Definitely would want to keep the main ROMs around, but wouldn't make my top ten. Gotcha. Yeah. And I think that pretty much wraps up everything that I have to say about Omega Race this week. Me too. So, Carrington, what are we playing next week? Well, it sounds a little like this. That brings us to the end of yet another No Quarter podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yes, we appreciate it. And we appreciate the feedback as well. So we'll see if everybody guesses what this uh, fly em up game is. <laughs> I don't think they'll have a problem with this. I think this was a pretty popular game. We will see. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you in a week. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback to the show can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet productions, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain.